verses today. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite children to come up. I wanted to show you something that's in this pink bag, and we have a special message for you. And kids could sit up here. Hi, guys. Okay, so I am not a magician. You guys can come up here. I want you to see this really well. Okay. So, what do I have? I have an orange. I have an orange. Okay, look. So, I need you to see where is the orange? Which cup? This one? This one? Vincent, where's the orange? This, this one? This one. Okay. You ready? You're right. Okay, one more time. Okay, where is the orange? Um, this one. Oh, you guys are so good. Ready? It was here. Okay, let's try that again. Where's the orange? This one? You sure? What? Or is it in both? Okay. So it's a cool magic trick. Yeah, you just squeeze a cup. So you came to church today not learn a magic lesson, but you get to learn it. So it's a silly trick. You just hold a cup. 
You could fool your friends with it. It's kind of fun. You squeeze it, and then you do it. But in the beginning, be honest, were you fooled? No? Not even a little bit? Were you fooled? I was fooled. And then I had to look it up. So anyway, in the Bible today, Apostle Paul says, don't be fooled. Was he talking about oranges? What he was saying was, the way we get right with God is through faith in who? Who do we believe? Jesus. And that's it. So people were sharing, Paul was sharing, the way you get to know God is by believing in Jesus. Do you get right with God, Jonah, by brushing your teeth well? No. Do you get right with God by getting straight A's? So if people get straight B's like me, we're in trouble. How do we get right with God? By believing in Jesus. So Paul was sharing, here's the good news. We're all sinners, but Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and rose again. And so people believe that, but they got fooled. Somebody else said, oh, that's not enough. You also have to be good or else you lose it. Is that true? Well, I know this is a little hard for you guys. So Jesus is our only answer to get right with God. But sometimes bad teachers came and they gave a false message. And so Paul got really angry and said, don't be fooled. Can you say that to the parents? One, two, three. Don't be fooled. Because there's only one truth, that Jesus is God, and he is the only one that could bring us to God. So that's the only thing Paul says. Don't add to it. Don't, so you can't say you got to believe in Jesus and then clean your room or else God will be mad at you. Is that true? No. no. But check this out before, I, before your parents get mad at me. Why should we clean our room, though? Why should we brush our teeth? Because God loves us in Jesus. Now we want to do our best to say thank you, God, and do the right things. Does that make sense? So we do good things because we are loved by God, because we are accepted in Jesus. We don't do good things to get accepted by Jesus. So that's the good news. So that's why Jesus Christ is our everything. Amen? Well, you'll talk more about that in Sunday school. And today, parents, you have in your bulletin a question. How are we related to Abraham? And so that's something that we want you guys to discuss with your parents. How are we related to a man 3,000 years ago? So we'll talk about that. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for being our hope. Thank you for the good news of Christ. Um, And in Jesus, in whom we have this treasure. Lord, help us not to be fooled by the things of this world, even from things coming from the church that are different from what you told us in the Bible. So thank you, God. May that truth not only be heard, but help us to understand. And more importantly, help us to believe you, Jesus, that you did come, you did die on the cross for our sins, and that you rose again. We love you because you love us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, boys and girls. Hey, I got something for you guys. Can you guys take this orange and just, just share it? Go, yeah. It's, go. It's natural. Go. Enjoy some vitamin C.
Bye, guys. Bye, Bye Vincent. So before I share, um, as the children go, we, hey, let's give them a hand. Just say, encourage them. Bye, guys. Um, it's really fitting, the timing of this, uh, as we're going through Galatians. Um, we have a brother who went to Utah for a mission trip this past spring break, uh, Sammy Newcomer. And so Sammy, we asked him to share uh, his mission uh, and it was so moving to the youth group students, we said, hey, you need to share this to the whole church. So I'm going to invite Sammy to come up before the message to give just a few words. And Sammy, let's encourage him as he comes up. Hello again. Um, so for some, some context, because I know Utah doesn't maybe like ring the bells of a mission field for a lot of us, um, but uh, many of the counties in Utah, specifically like places like Provo County, are about 90 plus percent Latter-day Saint, which is more commonly referred to as Mormon. Um, and so my freshman year, I joined a ministry at my school, which was centered around um, equipping students to engage in conversation with uh, members of the LDS church um, and learning our differences. And from knowing nothing about what they believed, I came to understand that their beliefs are a significant um, distortion of the true gospel in a lot of ways. Um, so, for instance, there's, they would not affirm the Trinity or the unity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit as one God, um, but believe in essentially polytheism or multiple gods. Um, they um, don't ultimately work for the glory of God, but work for their own glory, and that they may one day become a God of their own. And most fittingly for um, this sermon series, um, like the Galatians that Paul is writing to, um, they have a works-based um, righteousness that they will say that Jesus gives us the opportunity, but we have to work to earn our salvation, and we have to work and cooperate um, with um, Christ. And it's based on our goodness, ultimately, um, that we can become right with God. Um, and so this past week, I went to Utah. I led a trip with um, 13 Biola students, and um, we engaged in a handful of conversations. They were arranged by a ministry that we work with out there, and there were three-hour-long discussions with members of the LDS Church where we talked about our differences and had the opportunity to um, share the uh, the true gospel of what Scripture teaches and um, and attest to the rest that we can have in the work of Christ. And there were a few takeaways that I had. I think the um, biggest thing that I said to, to the youth on Friday was that um, 
a lot of this relies on a security and knowing why you believe what you believe. Um, and this involves knowing who God is, who Christ is, and what Christ does for us, and on where in Scripture we can see that to be true. Um, and I think there's a quote by Martin Luther that I love that he's actually referring to Galatians when, he's, when he says it, and he says, um, the law says, do this, and it is never done. Grace says, believe this, and everything is done. And that was the key distinction that I could see in the lives of um, those who believe the true gospel and who can rest knowing that Christ has done all the work that we need um, to become right with God, and those who um, believe that one blemish, one sin, can remove your relationship with God. Um, and so I could see that many of the people we encountered were very attracted to the idea that Christ's work is sufficient, um, and yet they were unable to believe that because of what their church teaches. Um, so I would just invite you guys to pray for members of the LDS church and for specifically the people we encountered. If you want to come talk to me, I could even give you a list of names after the service. Um, but we're continuing to pray and pray for our ministry. It's called EMI. It's at Biola. And we are still equipping students to engage not just in Utah, but um, at here locally and anywhere we would encounter members of the LDS church. So, yes, thank you guys for this time. Um, and, yeah. I think what I appreciate the most about Sammy is just his, you could tell he's reaching out, but it's with dignity, with concern, compassion, and care, just authentic humility. Uh, we pray for you, Sammy. Thank you for leading that team and for sharing that with us, and we do pray for the community. And so uh, it's so fitting with Galatians that we've been struggling and re reading through, where uh, Galatians, they received the gospel of Christ, and these group of the circumcision group comes and says, no, no, you still need to follow the Old Testament law in order to be fully received by God. And so we can see in Galatians 3, Paul starts out with something really strong that I'm sure many of us have not heard in our church where a pastor or someone says to you, you foolish person. And so getting a letter from your pastor saying, oh, foolish Galatians, and as if once is not enough, he says it a second time in verse 3, are you so foolish? And so we see that churches since the beginning have always had issues. And so let's unpack chapter 3 in this way. Let me just bring up uh, just an overview, and then I'm trying to think of an easy way to make this go home. So first, he says, you foolish Galatians, you've been fooled. What have they been fooled by? He says, you clearly saw Jesus was crucified, that he was portrayed. He was clearly displayed to you. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. All of you who are Christians believe that. You may not have physically seen it, but any single person in this room that says, I am a Christian, there's a point in your life by faith you said, I believe that to be true. That's you. And so we have seen it, not firsthand, but we've heard it. And so Paul says, 
Are we made right with God by works of the law? Or were you made right with God by faith? Now, I said to you at the last week's sermon, um, if I said, hey, here's a hundred things you need to do in your life to get right with God, I'm just curious, how does that make you feel? Is that helpful? Is that, does that make you feel relieved? If a church gave you a list, a booklet of a hundred things to do in order for you to go to heaven and get right with God. I think what's astounding is every world religion is works-based except for Christianity. Even Buddhism is, is works-based. If, if you pray hard enough, if you find peace enough, if you meditate and detach yourself from the worldly things, you will find peace. It's works-based. And so when I'm stressed out, I'm not being a good Buddhist. Every religion, Judaism, Muslim, Islam, are all works-based. And so Christianity is the only thing. But here in the early church, you see people coming together and saying, it's not enough. And so Paul says, you foolish Galatians, have you done this? And so in the modern day, we have works righteousness in three different forms. So some of you are here and you're like, I'm a good Christian boy. I have good theology. But I want to share three ways we fall into the trap of the Galatians today. Where we believe Jesus died and rose again, but we may have fallen under the works righteousness. The first type, I don't think is anyone in here, because you wouldn't be at church. The first type is simply those people in modern day who believe if you're a good person, God will let you into his paradise. So this is the 100% works righteous. I don't need to choose a religion. I don't need to believe in God. My grandma, you know, she was those religions, nutcakes. What I think is I just need to be a kind, compassionate, caring person, and God will receive me. What is that based on? Your works. And, and, you know, we talked about this, that if you live like that, you'll find yourself a few things struggling in your heart. You'll either be insecure because you never know how good good is. You'll either become boastful because you'll look down on others who are not as good as you. Or, or three, you will just be apathetic because you give up. I, I can't live a good life. You know what? Let me just go crazy and buck wild and enjoy. Eat, drink, and be merry, for we all die. And so works righteousness doesn't lead to hope. It leads to baggages. And some people will believe it, but it's got this weird syncretistic, watered-down theology of everything, and it's just everyone's good. Let's just go to heaven. Here, in Paul's case, I think we have the second type of people. They have faith, but they've added works to it. And so Paul is saying, listen to this. You receive the Spirit. You the Spirit began a work in you. You've been supplied by the Spirit. Did any of these come through your following the law, or did it come through your faith? Does God give you more Holy Spirit because you do good works? And the answer is no. We don't get more Holy Spirit because we do good works. And so Paul is saying, let's go back to the basics. There is this third way, and the third way is you need to go back to the gospel that you saved you. It's the same gospel that sustains you in your life today. Verse 2 to 5 paraphrases this. Galatians, you were given the Spirit, transformed by the Spirit, moved by the Spirit. None of these were through the law. Why would you turn back to that? And so today, I don't know how much peace you have in your life today, 
But if you had the gospel, and gospel is not just what saved you at a point. Some of you, I got saved when I was in eighth grade. Uh, some of you got saved recently. But that moment that you believed Jesus died and rose again for your sins, and he paid the price that I couldn't pay, that gospel is not just for that moment, but it's for every day of your life. And that's chapter 3 of Galatians. Do you live the gospel every day of your life? And so Paul goes into this example of Abraham. So raise your hand if you're related to Abraham. Amen. Okay, I was hoping that. <clears throat> Every single Christian today is related to Abraham. I'm a Korean. How could I be related to a, a Abraham, a Middle Eastern? Because what did God say to Abraham? Through you, I will bless all peoples of the world. And so what was significant about Abraham, and Paul brilliantly makes this idea the Bible tells us Abraham lived a good life and followed the law, and he was a goody, good person, and that's why God loved him. No. <laughs> For whatever reason, God, by his grace, called Abraham. And James says it this way in chapter 2, verse 23. The scripture was, was fulfilled, and that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. You know, all that Abraham did was he believed God. I want to ask you just a simple question. You, I know you go to church. I know you grew up maybe in church. But I want to ask you this simple question. Do you believe God? Not believe in God. Even the devil believes in God. Do you believe God? Abraham saw God, heard God. He believed God and followed. And that faith Cause God to credit him, it's an accounting term, to give him righteousness. Where did his righteousness come from? Because he believed God. Christians, you and I are righteous simply because of belief in Christ's death and resurrection. That Jesus is, we believe Jesus, and we, we accept it. Now, as an Asian... <laughs> As a, you know, a lot of us grew up with works righteousness. Um, for example, uh, my professor at seminary said this to me. He, he, he was an Asian, but he said this, that it, works righteousness sneaks up this way. He had a little child, and, and his daughter was trying to get his attention. Daddy, daddy, and he was busy doing work. And then, daddy, daddy, and then all of a sudden, she goes, daddy, I got an A. And he goes, you did. And then at that moment, he, he was frozen and you know why he was frozen? He just taught his daughter, I will not give you the time of day when I'm busy unless you get an A. And it just wrecked him, he said, Dr. Loader. We do this. We've been recipients of this. When parents recognize us because we get an A, what are we instilling? I am accepted and loved by my performance and works. So we could say we believe in Jesus, but our life, practical living is performance. And so this is the way that gospel that first claimed us can start getting confused. We become foolish because we believe subconsciously, I've been bad. I've been addicted again. I fell into the same sin again. Does God even love me? But what does the gospel say? 
Jesus died for you, yet while you were still sinners. How much more will he do all things for you now that you are his daughter, son? So Paul is so upset. How can you go back to this old living? And so what, what Paul is trying to say with Abraham is 430 years before Jews got the law, Abraham had it right. All he did was believe, and it was nothing to do with the law. It came 400. By the way, 430 years is almost double the life, the history of America. And so God, Paul is trying to make a point. It doesn't come through the law. Law has a different purpose. It comes through faith. Um, in, in Presbyterian world, we have this term. Do you guys, have you heard the term sola fide? Can you say sola fide? Sola fide. Now you're learning a new language too. So it means faith alone. And, and summary of it is we are righteous in God's sight justified, made right, accepted by God, only by faith in Christ and never by works of the law. Sola fide. Early reformers said, this is true. This is the gospel, faith alone. And so when we proclaim, I am so proud, I am so loved, because I, you know, God, life is so good because I'm, I got a promotion, I'm getting straight A's, I got into every college I want to, um, celebrate that. But your worth, your acceptance by God is never by what you've accomplished. And we need to sort the two. So thank God for giving you the brain to succeed and the opening and the grace. But also thank God that despite your failures, despite your struggles with sin, despite your addictions or issues, you still accept it on the basis of Christ. And that makes us feel weird. Like, how can, does he accept me? Yeah, that's what Christ came only for sinners, not for the righteous. And so in Christ, believing in Christ, he imputes to us, he gives to us, credits us with righteousness. And so where does our sin go? I'm glad you asked. Verse 10 through 14, Paul goes on to this final thought, this curse and blessing. Have you, how many heard the term, if you live by the sword, you... Die by the sword. I think it's very fitting. If you live by the law, you die by the law. That's what Paul is saying. You want to follow the law? Let's go follow the law. Let's take the Ten Commandments. You want to live righteously by the law? This morning, it's only 948. How many of you have kept all Ten Commandments? I find myself, by the time I wake up and drink coffee, I've already broken one or two. Whether it be a thought, lust, it be, whether it be idolizing other things, whether forgetting God, or whether it be just, for me, pastors, we violate a suspicious one. We violate number four, the Sabbath. We're terrible with the Sabbath. Like, we're like, don't murder. But with Sabbath, we're like, hey, let's work like crazy. Let's not rest in the Lord. So anyway, when you, Paul is saying, when you try to find acceptance by God through the law, you find something at work. The law's main job is to point to you, you cannot fulfill this law. It makes us seek. It's a schoolmaster that leads us to seek a savior. 
And so Paul is saying, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. He's quoting Deuteronomy 27, 26. And so when the Galatians just, you guys may not have this issue, they went from faith in Christ to, oh, we got to follow the law. Paul is like, do you remember what <laughs> Moses said? When you follow the law, you're cursed. When you seek righteousness through the law, you are cursed. What Cursed by who? You're cursed by God when you try to live a life based on your own works because you will fail. Your sin stays on you because the law was never meant to remove sin. So I think of it like this, a thermometer. What's the job of a thermometer? It tells you the temperature. Does a thermometer change the environment? No. It just tells you that it's 100 degrees in California. It doesn't make it cooler. It just tells you the condition. What is the law? Does the law make you clean? Does the law make you holier? Does the law make you righteous? No, it just tells you, you're kind of bad at this, Jason. <laughs> you're in need of a savior. And the only thing that saves me is not my efforts. Paul is saying, it's grace. It's been accomplished. Sammy, thank you for that quote by Luther. If I follow the law, I find I can't keep, keep it. But if I have grace, I find that it's already been fulfilled. By how? He tells us, Paul says, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Yes, we know that part. Yes, Jesus did it. That's the gospel. Remember the first chapter of Galatians? Who is the subject of the gospel in your life? If you ever say, well, I... Who's the subject of the gospel? He, Jesus, something Jesus did in history, in actual event. Not an idea, not a belief, but an actual event. Jesus lived, died, and rose again for the sins. So, curse it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Can we read? Well, if you have the verse 13, can we put it up, Ethan? Verse 13. So verse 13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by, read it together, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So now, not only did Christ die for you, which is intimate, but Christ died for you by becoming a curse for you. He took on our curse. And so Paul is just marveling at this Christ who redeemed him as this religious Pharisee who killed Christians. And he's saying to Galatians, do you see that's our out? That's our ticket. The way we, you and I have redemption and freedom is because Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, became a curse for us. So unless you're perfect and follow the law, you can't be saved. But there is one who did this for us. And so the good news of this is that, that all of us, we're in the same boat. We are all cursed. I was sharing this with a youth group student. We were having conversation after, after youth group. And we're talking about sexuality and sins and, and just a lot of controversial issues. And I said, the problem I have with anybody saying you know, those homosexuals or LGBTQ, you know, they, they, oh, they're, they're really this certain type of people. I say, I caution from that for a couple of reasons. 
because I'm a heterosexual, right? I don't know if being a heterosexual by default makes me less sinful than LGBTQ. In fact, when I read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, let me read it for us. What does this tell us? Paul writes, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Who won't inherit the kingdom of God? Unrighteous. Good. So who are the unrighteous? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, there it is there, but nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkard, nor the revilers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Greedy. How many of you are kind of hurting because stocks are tanking? How many of you are elated when stocks are skyrocketing? Inside of us, there's greed. How many are elated that the boss gave you a $100,000 bonus? And how many of you want more and more? So, I know, but that's not the same thing as homosexuals. Well, according to Paul, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the curse. Who's under it? Thanks be to God. Everyone else but good old Christian churchgoers. Sarcasm, sorry. Paul says, I look at 1 Corinthians 6 and I realize, oh man, there is no one unscathed. We are all under the God's curse because of sin. And so this should humble us. This should make us realize we can't do it. But thanks be to God, there is a Christ who became curse and took it and hanged on a tree. And we saw him hanging on a tree on the cross. So the righteous are those who are saved by faith, not by works. Do you believe God? Don't tell me your resume. <laughs> Do you believe Jesus, that he has fulfilled everything? And this is what Paul is driving at. How can you be so foolish to think you could do it any other way? So who did the work? Christ. How did he do it? By hanging on a tree and taking the curse. What does it mean for you and me and Putin and Russia and atheists, agnostics, wretched people? Through Abraham. All people have the potential to come to Christ. All sinners, the bigger the sin, the bigger the grace. That the blessing of Abraham in Jesus Christ is offered to all, not just the Jews. So church, two things with that. Can you take a deep breath and say, hallelujah? Because I don't want the burden of the law in my life to carry out. Two, what are you going to do with it? Sammy's going out there and sharing. How do we live it? What is the, the key? The gospel key is available to us. So we bless and care so that we win an ear and we plant seeds of the gospel and say, Jesus Christ has done it. He is my hope. He is my cornerstone. He is my all. And how does that make us feel? It makes us want to obey the law out of gratitude and joy. And glorify him forever. Amen. We're going to sing a song, Cornerstone. I think it's Cornerstone, right? <laughs>
And so this is one of the many songs that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly, entirely, fully, completely trust in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for challenging us that even good old churchgoers, we forget this, that we get caught up forgetting that you've accepted us by your mercy and love through Christ, that it is just faith in you and the grace we receive that makes us whole. But Lord, I think this world is really just intertwined with this works righteous system. Because it's true, Lord, if we don't study hard and we don't do good work, and it does get dinged. But thank you, God, you, you don't work that way. We all have Fs, but because of Jesus' perfection, we get to pass. So God, free us from the burden of guilt and maybe laid on the cross. Free us from the anger and the other gods that we follow and maybe remember Christ. Free us from, the, from just being apathetic because it's hopeless and realize there is hope in your res- risen Lord. And may we be a church that thrives and celebrates and shines this light wherever we go. Lord, we close with the prayer that your son taught us as we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.